Welcome to No Baller. My name is Chris Rawl. It is Thursday, June 17th. On today's show, the Utah Jazz suffer a heartbreaking loss to the Los Angeles Clippers in Game 5 of the Western Conference Semifinals. Before we get there, a few announcements. First and foremost, there will not be a show tomorrow. Uh, I have golf duties that are taking up the rest of my weekend. And because of that, this will be the final No Baller of this week. We'll be back on Monday. So rest assured, don't fear, uh, just enjoy your extended weekend without me talking about various sports. Second, we have an app. You can search for it anywhere. It's called the Beehive TV. Please go and download it. Uh, it would be a great help to everybody who's involved with this project. Last but not least, if you enjoy the show, share it with a friend who likes sports. I'm confident they will like it as well. We will start with gambling uh, because we always do. Because gambling should be legal in Utah and I want it to be. And I'm going to give you one tidbit every single day for the remainder of my life until it becomes so. I bet Donovan Mitchell's assists last night. The line was set at five and a half. I took over at plus money. Felt like a great bet to me. And I felt even better at halftime when the Jazz were up and Donovan Mitchell was sitting on five assists. I'm up there at Vivint Smart Home Arena in the crowd. I'm wearing a huge t-shirt, flapping in the breeze. uh, And I'm going, all right. Jazz, they're going to pull out a win. I'm going to cash my Donovan Mitchell bet. uh, And life is going to be good. Um, Unfortunately, a wise man once told me that when it rains, it pours. And this is a very true adage. Because as things went off the rails in the second half, uh, which I will talk about at great length on the other side of of this piece, uh, I kept looking up at the board and going, okay, Donovan Mitchell's still at five assists. And then three minutes later, I'd look up and go, okay, Donovan Mitchell's still at five assists. And that kept happening and happening. And, and as the game was uh, going away and the Jazz were losing and you felt just the weight of it set in, uh, the assist number remained stationary there on the Jumbotron. And the game ends. The Jazz have lost. Donovan Mitchell's on five assists. Uh, when it rains, it pours, man. It's just a, a true inevitable fact of life. So why gambling should be legal in Utah? Because it will give you another avenue to experience the bone-crushing sadness of a Jazz playoff defeat. And now a word from our sponsor, the one, the only, Traeger Grills. With your masquerading and you Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. The Los Angeles Clippers beat the Jazz last night, 119-111. It was game five. It was a 2-2 series. Clippers now are up 3-2 with a chance to close it out on at home on Friday night. Uh, I'm going to preface everything that I'm about to say with this uh, because I come from the Jazz side of things. Uh, they're not yet out of the playoffs. There's an important reminder because last night was a gut punch. Uh, they're still alive. They're actually favored in game six. Two points uh, according to your Vegas lines. Uh, win two games, and you're going to the Western Conference Finals. That's uh, If you can step back from the way the series has gone, which is something I always try to do because these just turn into uh, emotional roller coasters, you say, if you're the Jazz and you have a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals by winning two games that you'll be favored in both of them, uh, you, you'd probably take that. 
Actually, not probably. You would take that. At the start of the season, at any point in the season, you would take that. Uh, that's an incredible opportunity for a franchise that hasn't had a ton of success for a long time. So that's the positive side of things. Uh, and the Jazz got to buckle down and say, what can we learn from these last three games? What do we need to be better at? What can we adjust to? All the things I'm constantly talking about on the show. Uh, the Jazz are going through the soul-searching process. This is the adversity side of the playoffs. How do you respond when is adversity is at its strongest? Uh, the Clippers, they, they met adversity head-on last night because it's announced earlier in the day that Kawhi Leonard is not going to be playing and probably not playing for the rest of the series. Their best player, one of the very best players in the league, one of the very best playoff players in the league. And the Clippers are now coming into last night's game with a huge gaping void on their roster. Jazz have been dealing with that this series. Uh, Not as good of a player, but a very important player to the Jazz in their own right. Mike Conley has not played yet. Uh, He didn't play again last night. My guess is he probably doesn't play in this series. Hopefully that's untrue. The Jazz are at the season on the brink time. Uh, This is when the walls start closing in. And you got to dig deep. You got to find something, you know. Anything to grasp onto, to hold onto. Again, this is part of the continual searching within the playoffs that every team and every player has to do. Uh, I was struck last night coming out of the game, uh, walking back to the car and, and just kind of processing the loss as I'm going home. It's astounding the emotional swings that can occur within just a series. You go back to the episode I recorded after game one of this series, uh, the Donovan Mitchell explosion in the second half. Uh, And it was all about the emotionality of sports, something that I love talking about. My favorite aspect of what sports bring to the table. It's not just, you know, the numbers or the gambling or just watching these athletes do crazy things. It's the emotional tie-in that occurs over years and years and years and years of following something and loving something. So after game one, the emotionality, that's, it, it can't get higher. It's what the whole show was about. Um, Mitchell on this star trajectory, rising. The Jazz overcoming an abysmal first half, overcoming 20 consecutive missed field goals in the first quarter, in uh, scrapping and fighting and clawing and just relying upon this otherworldly second half from Mitchell to win. Uh, And the crowd, for the first time, it's max capacity since the pandemic. It's been over a year. And it was just, uh, it was a breath of fresh air, if you will. It was just, ooh, this is a part of my soul that needed to be satiated. Being in a full max capacity Utah Jazz playoff crowd where people are losing their mind against a team that is good, that's just, uh, from the Jazz perspective, you, you despise. And it was the best. And then we fast forward to last night. And, you know, as I've talked about within the last couple of weeks, as the playoffs have really ramped up from an emotional perspective, for every high, there's a low. Uh, and actually, there's, for every high, there's a lot more lows. And last night's one of those. Because it's a lot, it's, it's pretty hard to go lower than you feel as a Jazz fan coming out of game five especially with all of the narratives that were tied into the game before it began. Kawhi gets ruled out. You obviously don't wish an injury on somebody, but you're the Jazz. You're going, okay, the door is just open. The line swings from Jazz favored by two and a half all the way up to eight. They're large favorites last night. 
based upon that news. Uh, simultaneous to that, you get news that Chris Paul is going into COVID protocol or the Phoenix Suns who are waiting in the Western Conference Finals. Who knows when he's going to be back? Uh, again, these are just random things that you don't wish, but there's so much just random chance that goes into the playoffs that you say, the stars are aligning. They just are. That's how you feel as a Jazz fan going into the game. The door is wide open. There's not even a door. The door has been taken off the hinges. The wall has been broken down. There's just a big gaping hole. All you got to do is walk through it. You will never have a more clear-cut opportunity ever. You never will. So that's why a loss like last night stings even worse than it would. Because the Jazz were up 2-0 in the series. And then they get swamped in games 3 and 4 in L.A., but hope is on the horizon in game five, especially with Kawhi having to sit. And the Jazz are saying, okay, here, you know, call it whatever you will, fate, stars aligning, I don't know, karma. But there's something there for us. We just got to reach out and grab it. And instead, it was the opposite. So I'll start with my thoughts about the game on the best player in the game. Somebody who I've taken great pleasure in making fun of from time to time because... It's just fun. Um, But Paul George was outstanding. He was the best player on the court by leaps and bounds. He was aggressive from the tip. It was super noticeable. Uh, The knock on him can be when the going gets tough or when his team needs him, he's content to slither off into a corner and, and just kind of chill, you know, whistle a tune, tap his foot and not really step up and try to affect play. And that's not an option without Kawhi. And to Paul George's credit, he said, all right, uh, I need to be the star of this team. We're playing with limited roster now. Uh, I have to soak up the majority of the scoring in the creation role, and I'm content doing that. I'm going to tap into that aggressive side of me that's not always there, but when it's humming, uh, it's what makes him one of the best players that the NBA has. Uh, You tapped into that. Indiana Pacers version of himself that that caused everybody to have such high hopes for him when he's going toe-to-toe with LeBron James and the Miami Heat back in the playoffs for consecutive years, taking the Heat to Game 7s uh, and performing admirably against LeBron at the peak of his powers. And it's, it seemed to insinuate that there was this incredible career ahead of him, and it has been in certain ways, but it's also been these peaks and these valleys. One of the valleys... You know, probably the defining memory of Paul George for me uh, when it comes to the low side is game six against the Utah Jazz when he's with Oklahoma City and Donovan Mitchell's rookie season. This is when the playoff P as the joke really started to uh, hit home for the majority of basketball fans because he just clinked everything. Uh, He couldn't buy a bucket. Oklahoma goes down in flames and he's carried that. And last night was... It was one of the highs, you know, in a, in a playoffs that have just featured star performance after star performance from everybody, everywhere. You know, we're just seeing incredible basketball from individuals. The night prior, it's Kevin Durant playing the best game of the playoffs. We've seen it from Mitchell. We saw it from Trey Young last night. We've seen it from a wide variety of players. And Paul George takes his turn, taps into the aggression, scores 14 points in the paint, his most since game three of the Dallas series. He goes 10 for 11 from the free throw line. These two things are very, very noticeable and key. 
because again, Paul George can be content sometimes to play a perimeter-based game or to not be actively involved with the play. And it was not that last night. And, and to his credit, it hasn't been that the last three games. He was noticeably aggressive in three and four. He scored over 30 points in both of those games. He was attacking continually from the inside and the outside. And he did the same thing last night. He finishes with 37 points, 16 rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks, 12 for 22 from the field. One of the best playoff games I've watched him play. Uh, when his team was faced with the adversity that the playoffs brings, with Kawhi Leonard being out, and Paul George filled that void as good as a player could possibly fill that. On the opposite side of the ball, I talk about it every episode. Utah Jazz shooting. They've been one of the best three-point shooting teams this entire season for volume and for efficiency. Uh, more times than not, it's a huge bonus. And from time to time, the well runs dry. Last night was kind of the old Charles Dickens line. You know, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. The first half was flamethrowing. Just uh, get out the blowtorch and just raise everything to the ground. Bogdanovich leads that charge. He's just unconscious in the first half. He's, he scores 23 points within those first 24 minutes. Um, he has six threes by himself in the first quarter. Jazz are 17 for 30 from three in the first half alone. Like astounding stuff. The problem is you get to halftime and the Jazz are up by five, 65-60. I'm reading some stuff this morning from Ty Lue in the postgame. And he's talking about, we actually had a ton of confidence at halftime because we said Bogdanovich lost his mind. The Jazz as a team were completely unconscious shooting the three. We're down by five. That'll come back down to earth. We just keep doing the things we're doing on offense. We'll be more than fine. So at halftime, I'm sitting there and talking with the people I'm at the game with. And I'm just like, I don't have a good feeling about this. You know, how can you only be up five in a game that you shot or in a half that you shot 17 for 30 from three? And that plays out. Uh, the best of times in the first half, the worst of times in the second half. Jazz follow up a 17 for 30 half from three with a three for 24 half from three. It's astounding stuff, truly. When you watch these games, just it, it never seems like there's just a, a mid-level uh, effort from shooting from, from these really good teams. It's either all in or all out. And this happens within one game. It's all in in the first half and it's all out in the second half. Um, these are the swings that come from being heavily reliant upon the three-point ball, something I've made note of a lot of times throughout this season. And I remember, I can't recall the show, but going into the playoffs, there was a show that I did and I just, it, as much speaking to you, the listener and the viewer, as to myself, I'm just reminding myself, prepare for the emotional swings that come from being one of these teams or a fan of one of these teams. Because when it's good, it's awesome. Uh, and when it's bad, it's just maddening as hell and you feel kind of helpless because you're getting quality look after quality look and none of them are going down. And, and you go into the post game and you say, we just want all those looks again and we'll make more than three for 24. But if it happens at the worst possible time in a game five that it's tied 2-2 and you need to win on your home floor. A shoulder shrug doesn't necessarily suffice for how you feel. You go, what, what could we have done differently outside of this atrocious shooting half? You know, 
it's maddening as hell, and it's even more so with Mitchell being either unable or unwilling to attack the rim and manufacture points from the inside out in that second half. Uh, I don't know if it's the injury. I don't know if it's the Clippers' defense. I don't know what's going on there. There was a noticeable lack of aggression when it came to his ability to attack the rim in a way that he's been able to throughout the series and really in a way that he was able to in games one and two that the Jazz won. There was a noticeable void in the Jazz offense when everything was going to hell and three-pointers are clanking and clanking and clanking and clanking. It was really hard for the Jazz to manufacture the tough buckets that sometimes you need in the playoffs. Uh, Stuff that Paul George was doing on the opposite side. Get to the rim. Force the issue. Score in the paint. And if you're not scoring, get fouled and go to the line and shoot double-digit free throws. Uh, This is just part of being a a three-point shooting team. Uh, Last night was the worst part of it. It was the maddening part of it. Uh, And you go into game six and you say, trust in the process. Trust in what brought us here. Go and get all of the looks that we had. Uh, We shot 54 threes in that game. Let's go do it again. And we'll trust that we can do better than we did in that second half. We won't shoot 17 for 30 and a half, but we trust that more times than not, our three-point shooting will win out. That's what you do if you're the Jazz. Uh, That's part of this transformation that the Jazz have undergone, where they're now an offensive team, more so than a defensive team. Something I've also made note of and been really intrigued by as the season has gone on, as the playoffs have ramped up. Uh, Unfortunately, last night, the offense, it couldn't save the defense. The Clippers' commitment to small ball has really started spinning the Jazz like a top. Zubats plays eight minutes last night. It's the only minutes that a big plays for the Clippers. They just have leaned all the way into the small ball approach, starting in game three. Now they've won three consecutive games in the series with that as their absolute identity. This is what we will trust in relentlessly. Uh, Their commitment to it has created a level of spacing and aggressiveness on offense that is murdering Utah on, on that side of the ball. They're finding a really tough time matching what the Clippers are doing when the Clippers are playing offense. For the third straight game, their offensive rating is through the roof. 127.9 last night. Uh, In addition to their last two games, 130.4, 142.0. Three otherworldly efforts on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Just decimation by the Clippers. This one hurts even more because Kawhi Leonard's out. And you're saying, we got to be able to slow this attack down at some point, especially with their best player now on the bench. And instead, it was more of the same. Uh, Spacing, ability to attack the rim, uh, and accentuated by open three-point shots that the Clippers were able to get seemingly whenever they wanted to. Uh, It's one thing to be killed by George, a star. You You don't want to lose the game, but when a star balls out, Sometimes you just tip your cap and you say, man, this is the NBA and it's a star-driven league and sometimes you're just going to be on the losing end of a star balling the hell out. Uh, it's a lot harder to live with the other players chewing you up. Uh, Reggie Jackson, who is phenomenal for seemingly every game of these playoffs. And again, last night, he's the one who's hitting the biggest shots of the game. He finishes with 22 points. He's 8 for 15 from the field. Marcus Morris, again, seemingly a nightly occurrence. Falling out, he has 25 points. He's 10 for 16 from the field. He's hitting enormous shot after enormous shot. 
the combination of those two players, it just seems like they can't miss at this point. Uh, Terrence Mann, who fills the Kawhi Leonard role in the starting lineup, so they can still stay small. Batum, George, Terrence Mann. Um, Mann Mann comes um, comes in, and he scores 13 huge points. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it's huge in the scope of what this game was and where the Clippers need to get uh, contributions outside of Paul George. 13 points, 4 for 8 shooting. He makes probably the biggest play of the game on that and one against Rudy Gobert that I'll get into a little bit later. Uh, all of this, it, it combines to A, show just the Clippers got whatever they wanted for whoever they wanted on offense, and B, the Jazz have to look in the mirror going to game six and say, we can't have both of these happen. Both of these things happen. Either you get beat by a star or you get beat by the role players, but we got to force the issue one way or the other. Uh, you can't have a world where they're both working in unison together. That just means you're giving up an offensive rating of 130 every night and you're getting run out of the building on that side of the ball. Jazz have got to do something differently there. Uh, that's part of the adjustment phase that happens within a playoff series uh, and something that they need to look at and say, what can we do to slow down this offense that has put us on a spit and roasted us for three consecutive games? Uh, I'll end by going into... Just the, the things that drive you nuts, the things that drive you insane as a fan, as a team, as a management, everybody, anybody who pays attention to sports. Uh, you'll forget about them probably even by today. I'll forget about them by the time the next game occurs, but they're the razor-thin margins that comprise wins and losses in the playoffs. Um, it seemed like in the second half, the Jazz, they could just they'd get down by 10, they'd get down break it down to three, and just something would occur. They get down by seven, they get back to three, something would occur. Just over and over and over. The combination of high-level shot-making from the Clippers, it was a combination of Clippers getting and making their open looks. It was a combination of the Jazz barfing on every single open three that they had down the stretch. Make or miss league. Sometimes you're on the wrong side of that. That was the Jazz yesterday. You know, 8.30 to go. The Jazz have cut a 10-point deficit to three points. Place is going crazy. You know, my voice is about gone at this point in the game. I'm screaming. I'm saying, you just got to get a stop, just any stop. And Reggie Jackson gets the ball at the top of the arc, takes a step in. Jordan Clarkson plays great defense. He really does. Credibly contested shot, high arcing, total swish. Doesn't even touch anything but the net. And you go, oh, man, that's not repeatable. But now it's a five-point game. Minute later, wide open three for Royce O'Neal. I mean, wide open. Clink. Ensuing possession for the Clippers. Nick Batum, wide open three. Swish. These are the things that just drive you insane. One player makes, one player misses. You hope it's your team. A minute and a half later, Jazz have now snipped the lead down. Uh, They're on a 7-0 run. And the place is going crazy. And again, I'm just screaming. You're sitting there. You're going, just get a stop. Just get one stop. If you can just get this to a tie game, uh, there's so much emotion. There's so much everything packed into this. Just get to this point that you have not been able to get to at any point in this half. Reggie Jackson gets the ball in the corner. He's defended incredibly well. Another 10 out of 10 contested shot that he switches. Uh, Three, again, Shot making of the highest degree. 
You tip your cap to him, but you also go, how is this happening? <laughs> Follows it up with another wide open Royce O'Neal three. Uh, the theme of the night in the fourth quarter to maddening degree. Clank. Clippers come back on offense. Reggie Jackson gets Gobert in a switch at the top of the key. Shakes and bakes, get to the rim, lay up. Clippers now have breathing room, timeout. Jazz are going back to the bench. Just all of these tiny things. They keep going and they keep going and they keep going. Uh, two minutes later, Jazz have cut it to five. People are going, just get a stop, get a three, get anything. Jazz comes screaming down. Joe Ingles in the corner, wide open. Nobody within three moons of him. Uh, clink. Could have cut it to two. Make or miss league. Jazz are getting looks. They're not going down. Again, theme of the night. Uh, less than a minute later, Jazz are scrambling on defense. Terrence Mann gets it in the corner. Gobert, he's scrambling. He tries to close out so he can't shoot the three. He comes at him. Uh, dunk, half dunk, half throw it into the rim. I don't know what it was. I do know that the ball went in. He gets fouled. It's an and one. Clippers are strutting around the court. Terrence Mann's puffing out his chest. Uh, and that's the moment that I just go, I don't know, man. It just it has a feeling of one of those nights. Uh, and yet still the Jazz are just, they're battling, they're scrapping. And the Clippers, you know, high-level shot making. Minute 48 to go. Jazz need a stop. Paul George does a rip through. Royce O'Neal smacks him on the arm. He's now shooting a, a shot that he's been fouled on. Cans it and one. You just get that feeling. 30 seconds to go still. The Jazz are scrapping. They're clawing. They're down five. Royce O'Neal gets a look in the corner to cut it to two. Uh, and you all know how that story ends. There's a lot of that just over and over and over. Um, open threes missed. Uh, uh, Royce O'Neal being put in the decision-making position out of double teams, out of traps, where he's the man who catches it with a four-on-three. I think it was maybe Greg Anthony on the broadcast that I was watching this morning who made note of it. Just You can't have Royce O'Neal be the decision-maker within that odd man break. I talked about it in game three. I talked about it more in game four. I was astounded by it even more so in game five. Uh, he was making note earlier in the game, and it really culminates in the fourth quarter. One of the big plays, you know, at about the eight-minute mark is him catching the ball in this four-on-three position. Mitchell draws a double. He swings it to the top of the arc. It's Royce with space, and he's just not really equipped to be the person who's making that decision. What Draymond Green does so well for the Warriors, either attacking the rim, either or pulling up for an open three, or attacking and then finding a shooter who's open. You have odd men. Odd men. You have four against three. You need to do something there. And instead, he's just he's full of hesitation. He's not really comfortable doing that. I don't think he should be asked to be doing it. I'm not sure why the Jazz are failing to adjust there. And at this point in the, in the fourth quarter, he catches it, and he hesitates, and he stutters, and he, and he rumbles in place, and it's a travel. It's a turnover. It's just one of the tiny things that they all build up. Uh, and there's just... Three million of them in that fourth quarter alone. There's three million of that in the second half throughout the course of the game, throughout the course of this series. Uh, it's the razor-thin margins. It's the difference between wins and losses in a game. It's the difference between winning and losing in the series. So I'll end the show how I began it. 
because this is, you know, it's one of those painful things from the jazz side. You process the loss. It's doom and gloom. Feel like there's an incredible missed opportunity that just went out the door. Um, and yet you're still alive. The 3-2 series. Game six is on Friday night in L.A., place that the Jazz have not won, a place that they've been blown out both times they played there. You're favored by two in the game. Uh, yeah, adversity's there, just like it is for the Clippers. Uh, and you got to find something within yourself. If you truly are what you want to be, a championship-level team, this is the reflection point. You go into a game like this and you say, every great playoff team, uh, every championship team, they have a story like this. There's always a moment, there's always moments where your back is so far against the wall uh, and a lot of people have given up hope and you got to find something within yourself. Whether that's adjustment, whether that's additional emotion or effort, or whether that's just simple shot making. It's just we need to hit the open shots we did not hit or a combination of all those things. Uh, the Jazz have got to tap in and find that. So that's the stage. Uh, on the one hand, you're super bummed out as a Jazz fan because, again, missed opportunities. Uh, emotionality of sports. The valleys are really, really tough. On the flip side, if you're looking for the positives, you're still in the series. Um, you have a chance to win two games to go to the Western Conference Finals. You have a playoff year that's just tumultuous, and, and it seems like it's anybody's championship to win. Uh, and you're still a part of that. So you go into Friday night. Uh, and you do whatever you can, you fight, you scrap, you claw, and you hope that it's enough to win and set up a game seven on Sunday night. Uh, and if it's not, then we'll go through the process of, of writing the postmortem on the jazz season and, and talking about just what has gone on to this entire year of basketball from their perspective. Uh, and if they win, which hopefully they do, then it'll set the stage for what will be a hell of a night on Sunday night uh, at Bivens Smart Home Arena. Thank you for listening to No Baller. This podcast can be found on any platform of your choosing. If you could rate and review and help spread the word, it would help me immensely. If you have additional feedback or thoughts that you want incorporated into the show, please email me at chris at thebeehive.com. Last but not least, if you would prefer to listen to this as a video, go to thebeehive.com and find No Baller.